Family. It looks a little different for everyone. For some, it's mom and dad. For others, roommates who feel like family. And for others, it's your significant other, their golfing buddies, your children, a high school soccer team starting lineup, and oh look, they're all taking you up on the offer to stay for dinner. Really testing the limits of that phrase. The more the merrier. But no matter where you call home, GEICO makes it easy to bundle and save on home and car insurance. Easier than making three frozen pizzas and assorted frozen veggies into a cohesive meal. Welcome to the Browns Wire podcast. This is your host, Josh Keeley. With me as always, Adam Moore. And today we have a special guest, the all-knowing boss of Browns Wire, Jeff Risden. How you doing, Jeff? It is I haven't been with you on the on this edition of this podcast, so so thanks for having me on. Well, I wanted to make it real nice. I wanted to make sure it was real nice and special before I brought the you know the big boss on, the the fearless leader, as Mac likes to say. <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, I'm glad you're doing it. You're doing a great job. I'm, I'm pleased to join you. Yeah, thanks. I, I was tell, just telling Adam I've been writing with you since uh, it was Marquise Lee's rookie year because that was one of the first – I remember having him etched in the, for the Detroit Lions in that mock draft, so 2014, I believe. Yeah, it's been a long time, man. We, we've been yeah. together for quite a while. <laughs> all right well, well we'll dive right in i um we had a couple listener questions but i went back i listened to the detroit lions podcast uh you guys did a live mock draft on youtube which i thought was really cool really informative and everybody should go check it out uh was that last week or thursday you put that out that was uh that was a week ago we're actually recording it a week ago right now so i, I it was a great time it was four of us that were making different picks um, yes, it is a Detroit Lions podcast, but I thought we did a really good job, if I do say so myself, of expanding it out and talking about what the teams, the other teams needed. And, and we didn't be home, we weren't homers about it. We tried to, you know, make our picks as best as we could and, and fill needs and, and look at the bigger picture. And it went really, really well. So uh, everybody, please check it out. And Josh, I'm glad you enjoyed that and brought it up. Yeah, it was it was a good listen. But you said something really interesting. They let you in charge of the Browns pick, and Tristan Wirfs at that point was off the board. And you you're kind of scrambling a bit. But you said if Tristan Wirfs <laughs> is there at ten, write it in stone. The Browns are taking him, and you said it with so much confidence that it had me rethinking I everything I've that. done. Can, I can absolutely I, believe that that would be the case. Can I ask why? Like, what? Why are you so confident that that he's the guy? Uh, I, I think he very much fits what the Browns and the new regime with Andrew Barry and, and Kevin Zafanski are looking for in their left tackle. They want athleticism. They want consistency. They want the ability to to operate in both the run and the pass game. Morse can do all those things for you. The other guys, they're, they're good. Uh, don't get me wrong. I, I think Jedrick Wills would be a great fit as well. And, and if, it, if in two weeks when they call the number 10 pick and it's, it's Jedrick Wills, I will not be upset whatsoever. But uh, I, I just think that Wirfs with his athleticism, the experience that he gets um, playing against really good players in the Big Ten, I, I think that's that's something that gets overlooked a little bit in, in the national draft media is uh, how many good pass rushers he faced, you know, on a week-in and week-out basis, even in the Big Ten. Um, better than the SEC, better than you know the ACC, better than the Pac-12, and uh, Iowa linemen are pretty good about that. They, they they're known commodity. They know how they've been coached when they get to the NFL, and uh, I think that's that's important as well. Yeah, he played right tackle, but uh, 
he has the athleticism to play left tackle. Uh, Kirk Ferentz, the Iowa coach, came out and said, well, he would have been a left tackle, but we had Alaric Jackson there, and he can't play on the right side. He plays on the left side. So uh, it kind of explained away why, why one of the big questions that I know a lot of Browns fans have is, we played right tackle. We got a right tackle in Jack Conklin, and Jack Conklin's a really good one. It was a smart signing, <laughs> but it doesn't take away the fact that they still need a left tackle. And uh, I, I do think that Tristan Wirfs is a great fit for them. I think they're going to like what he offers them, and I, I think if he's there, um, and that's a big question, uh, I think he would be the choice. Yeah, I think Tristan Wirfs is, is by far uh, the tackle with the best athletic profile. Obviously, he blew away everybody at at, at the combine. Um, I, I personally, I, th- I don't think he's going to be there. I think if he gets past eight, it'd be one hell of a surprise. Right now, he's he's in Vegas's uh, leading pick to be the first offensive lineman off the board. And I was talking to Josh before we, we started recording this podcast. I, I am just all over the board when it comes to these offensive tackles about who I like better than the other. And I, and I think I've I've swapped <laughs> three or four times at this point. I just I was just watching some film today on Jedrick Willis, and I, I mean he's really starting to grow on me too. If and he's most likely to be there at ten. What do you think about him? Because obviously the the Browns have mentioned that they're going to keep Conklin at the right tackle position. They need somebody to fill in at left tackle. Do you think Wills can make that jump from right tackle to left tackle? Yeah, I do. And and uh, this is another case where he played right tackle in college. But remember, his quarterback in college was left-handed, so that was the blind side. Uh, it will take some adjustment to learn, as it would with worse. You know, you got to you got to figure out how to do everything. You know, mirrored from what you're used to doing. Uh, Wills is also a very good athlete, a uh, very smart, smartly coached player. Uh, the way that Alabama does their things, though, they're a bit different in their technique. One of the things that they do, uh, and it has not worked for some guys, um, notably the Kwanjo brothers, is that they want their tackles to like expose their chest, so the defender will try to go through them. And that's not something that, that really fits with what a, a, a Gary Kubiak offense, which is what Stefanski is going to run. Uh, and I always refer to it as a Kubiak offense. It goes back to my days in Houston. I can't, can't help it. Um, I'll, I'll, <laughs> it will be a Stefanski thing soon uh, once we actually see him do it. But that's very counter to what they want. So they would have to teach him a little bit of, of technical difference. But, man, he's got the ability. He's got the strength. He's got the length. Uh, he's got the nastiness. Um, one thing, if you want to criticize worse, he's not. He's not a guy who's going to, like, try to kill the person across from him. I guess Jedrick Wills, like, like if you push him, he's pushing you back, and he's not going to stop pushing you back after the whistle. And uh, that has a certain level of appeal, uh, especially for Cleveland. I, I, I think I think we as Clevelanders tend to appreciate things like that. So uh, he, he's really good. I don't think he's as technically sound, uh, and I think that there would be a little bit more growing pains with him moving to the left side, but that doesn't mean he can't do it. So, yeah, I actually agree with you on the, you know, offensive lineman body bagging people. That was actually one of the big reasons why I was excited about Wyatt Teller joining the roster last year. When you watch his Virginia Tech tape, he's just constantly putting guys in the dirt. Oh, yeah. But one of the things, we're talking about Jedrick Wills because he is rated higher. He's the third favorite to go off the board uh, as far as offensive lineman goes. But when that came up again, going back to the podcast you were last on, um, you kind of acted hesitant about him and you were leaning more towards Josh Jones. You brought up Josh Jones a couple more times. Like that name interests you a lot more. Was that right? I, well, well, it doesn't um, for me personally, but I was trying to do what I thought the Browns would do. That, that was one of the goals of, of the mock draft. And I hope that most people do mock drafts this way is that you're trying to figure out what the teams are going to do, not necessarily what you would do. And I happen to think that the Browns, brass right now would appreciate what josh jones offers athletically 
um, and, and in terms of potential upside, uh, because if you watch him at Houston, he's not a first round pick, uh, to be kind. Uh, <laughs> there are some serious deficiencies to his game. He, he, he has a lot of potential, very athletic, very coachable, uh, a guy that, that, you know, wowed people in mobile at, at the senior bowl. I was there for that. Uh, I saw it firsthand. He, he did incredibly well there. And I think that his, the way that he moves, the way that he attacks the position, I think more fits the Stefanski offensive style. I think they would lean towards that. I think they trust Bill Callahan as an offensive line coach to coach up a guy who needs a lot of coaching. Uh, that was really redundant. Sorry about that. Uh, but that's, that, I, you know, I, I, I think that that's, I think they see him as having a higher upside than Wills. Um, but there's certainly a downside with him as well. Uh, and I, I'll say this, I think if they want Jones, they will be able to trade back and still get him. Uh, and we'll, we'll see what happens with that. But I, I think that's as likely as them taking Wills at 10. Um, I, 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 again, I wouldn't be upset with Wills at all. I think he'd be a very good addition. But uh, I, I, I don't know if they're sold on it, to be honest with you. So there's there's two more tackles I want to talk about. And I feel bad because, like I said, I, I listened to – you, I think you were on you were on Max podcast. You were on the Detroit Lions podcast, and everybody keeps bothering you about tackles. But Makai Becton, he's someone that doesn't get talked about very much. Is that because we're just crossing him off the board? There's no way he falls to Cleveland. So uh, I do a lot of work with New, New York Giants media. Um, and in fact, I do their in-house stuff too. Uh, I've been on uh, a guest on their their big blue TV a couple times, several times actually, and they have convinced me that Mekhi Becton, if they go offensive tackle, will be the number four pick. Uh, there are some people in their media sphere who think that they're taking Isaiah Simmons, but most people there think they're taking Mekhi Becton. So I'm going to roll with that. Uh, and, and that's So I, I do think he's the most likely to be off the board. He also fits what Arizona would want at eight. And Arizona has a lot of – they're like either really good or god-awful at like every position – uh, and they got off an offensive tackle. So if they want to fill that there, uh, he would be really good for that too. And then, you know, Jacksonville at nine could probably use him. I don't think that that's what they want to do, but I, I just don't see him lasting to 10. So I've tried not to worry too much about him. I know that early on, like during the season, like every multiple round mock that I did, I had Beckton as the second round pick for the Browns. And that's, that's clearly become unrealistic. He's played his way well, well out of that. He's tested his way well out. Uh, but he's, I, I, I just, I just don't think he's going to be there. Yeah. I I've been working on my mock Jack, my, my mock, uh, Jeff, and, and I'm having so much trouble with four and the New York giants. I feel like they can go many different ways there. Uh, I, you know, I, whether it's offensive tackle or, or if it's Simmons and, and at the linebacker position, and that has so much implication on the rest of the draft and especially for the Browns at 10, if they go offensive tackle, and I don't know if that starts a run on offensive tackles, I don't know. Certainly, I, I agree with you. I think some, you know an offensive tackle is going to get taken at eight with Arizona. I think it's going to be Worfs. I think uh, I, I my opinion is that at this point, I think Worfs will be the first tackle off the off the board at eight, um, and then the Browns will have the, their choice at the second one. Somebody may trade up to Tampa Bay may trade up to nine. That's another thing I've been kind of thinking about. Uh, they got to they got to get some pass protection for. For Brady, there. Um, what I mean, what do you think about that? Do you think you, you don't think Donovan? You don't think Donovan Smith can protect Tom Brady's backside? <laughs> <laughs> well, that was actually something you guys brought up as well that I thought was very interesting. Um, again, this is the Detroit Lions 
mock draft or Detroit Lions podcast. It's mock draft is on YouTube. Uh, but you guys brought up the fact that Tom Brady's not going to want a rookie blocking for him. So that got you guys discussing the Trent Williams trade. What do you think are the light? What, what is the likelihood that the Browns make a move for Trent Williams either during the draft, before the draft? Is that, should I just throw that out the window or is there some, should we you know, pay attention to that? No, it's a good question. And, and I don't think that we really have a good idea of how Barry and Stefanski feel about Trent Williams. That was, that was a John Dorsey thing. You know, Dorsey, he went full doors trying to get Trent Williams last year several times, and uh, just it didn't didn't happen. Um, I don't know what Washington really wants to do, um, and and that and I don't think anybody really does because they're like the Browns; they have changed everything, um, and and it's a bit of a culture shock there. So nobody really knows how much they want to move him. Uh, just like nobody really knows in Cleveland how much they really want him. Would it surprise me if the Browns traded for him? No, it would not but I wouldn't plan on it uh, is the way that I'm approaching it. And I think it would be one of those deals where it would happen on draft weekend. I don't think it's going to happen before that. I think Washington's pick at two will help dictate whether they're going to keep him or not. Um, are they going to go, are they going to take another defensive tackle or defensive lineman for the fourth time in four years in the first round? Uh, or are they going to, you know, go somewhere else? Are they going to take a quarterback? Are they going to trade out? I think if they trade out, then I then I do think that they don't necessarily need the picks as much, and that would that would probably lead them to keep him. Well, remember they don't have a second round pick, and they are rebuilding uh, with a new coach. It's a great time to to sell off veteran assets and get new picks. But if if they can trade out of two and they don't need as many picks, they might as well just keep him because he is still pretty good. They're trying to bring along Dwayne Haskins for however much they can get out of him. Uh, it, it would make sense to keep him then too. Yeah, and you know the Redskins. I do feel like that is a can of worms. I won't. I won't spend too much time on this, but they don't really need Chase Young. Chase Young keeps getting mocked to him, but that's literally the strongest part of that entire roster. Do you, it's the I only mean, part it... of their team that's any good at all. It really <laughs> is. Montez, Montez Sweat was good last year. Um, I, I know that people kind of slept on him, and, and you know slept on their whole, really the whole team. He's good. Jonathan Allen can play, man. That, that guy's really good. They're they're yeah. very good on the defensive line. Uh, other than having Terry McLaurin at wide receiver, and uh, you know they have a couple of good offense. Brandon Scherf's a very good offensive tackle or offensive guard. I think Morgan Moses is an acceptable right tackle. The rest of that team's awful. They're terrible. They just traded away their best starting cornerback last year to Seattle for a fifth round pick. Uh, so who knows what they're doing, man? <laughs> they're going to be, they're going to be a fascinating thing to watch during draft weekend. Cause no, I don't think anybody, I don't think they know what they're doing yet to pass with you. That's amazing. Now I want to mention one more thing before we move on from offensive tackles. You don't like Andrew Thomas, right? I mean, I've like, I said, I feel like I've gathered well, that from your last couple podcasts. You've said, I think you even mentioned your dislike for him on max podcast. I, uh, yeah. I don't trust him. Uh, it's not necessarily that I don't like him. It's just that I, I think back to when Greg Robinson was a prospect and everybody was gung-ho. Oh, my God, this guy's amazing. You know, he should be the number one overall pick. He shouldn't go two. Um, but nobody ever really wanted to look at the warts that were in his game that were there when he was at Auburn. And those warts, if you look at them and you apply them to Andrew Thomas, like, holy crap, it's, it's the same dude. Um, now that, that, that's, that's being way too harsh on Thomas, but the things that Robinson didn't do well are the exact same things that, that Thomas doesn't do well consistently in college. And, uh, unless you're, you know, a huge believer that Bill Callahan can, can iron those out. 
Um, and, and maybe you should be because he's a great coach, but uh, th- there's some concern there. Um, he seems to be a guy just looking at all the mocks that are out there. You know, Daniel Jeremiah's got one out. Uh, Matt Miller Bleacher Report has one out. And he's not anywhere close to the top 10 anymore. And generally, it, it's not a steadfast rule, but the mocks at this time of year generally have a pretty good idea of a player range. And when you're seeing a guy who has been, you know, top, he, he was number three for a long time. Uh, and you've seen him like 17, 20, 25, probably a pretty good indication that he's not what you really want at 10. Um, I, I wouldn't fault anybody for still liking him because I'll say this, I've, I've said this before. Uh, I was at a, a game this year, uh, a college game, where I was sat next to an NFC South scout, and he told me that he thought Andrew Thomas was Jason Peters. Jason Peters is really, really good. By the way, he's still out there too. Uh, yeah. There's eight and, and could be a potential stopgap option, uh, but that, that for whatever reason that hasn't materialized. But there, there is still a lot of reason why you should like Andrew Thomas. But I, I think the negatives with him, the fact that he does lean out in pass protection, the fact that he leaves his, his inside shoulder a little weak at times, the fact that he doesn't always move his feet while he's engaged in run blocking. All those things really messed up with Greg Robinson, and those are the same problems that Andrew Thomas has. So if if you're a little gun shy about you know another Greg Robinson experience, and, and I had to live through him two years in a row, <laughs> I covered him in Detroit before he went to Cleveland, and uh, he's actually better in Cleveland than I thought he would be, to be honest with you. And that's uh, you know so there's some trepidation there with, with Andrew Thomas. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the the Greg Robinson, uh, you know, profile or the comparison. Are we sure Andrew Thomas is not an international drug dealer? I mean, is that something we're thinking about? <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome, though? <laughs> that that would move him up my board personally. <laughs> so basically, I think we're done with the offensive tackle talk. But before we move on, I do want to make sure that I got this right. You're telling everybody to empty their bank account on Tristan Wirfs being the first offensive lineman taken, correct? I wouldn't. I would. I wouldn't trust my word on emptying the bank account with a I, with a variable such as a new front office. I want, <laughs> well, you sort of know where I live. So <laughs> let's hope that doesn't come to that. So, so that that was my I, plan. I do. I, I do absolutely believe that if he's there, the Browns will take him. Yes, uh, but I don't know that. Don't know that. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you. I, I think I think he's the first guy off the board, uh, and I do think if, if if he's there at ten for whatever reason, let's say uh, you know New York takes somebody else, Arizona takes Beckton, uh, I think Worfs is the right pick there at left tackle at ten. You know what 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 is it, what would it take for the Browns not to select tackle at ten? Well, I mean, are are there other options that we're actually considering here at ten other than left tackle? I think if Isaiah Simmons is there, I think he is somebody that they will certainly talk about. I don't know that they value the position of off-ball linebacker and hybrid linebacker safety as being worthy of a top 10 pick, and they're not alone in that. Uh, he, he's a very interesting case to me because I, I do see the, just the ridiculous athleticism, and he got he applied it so well at Clemson. Uh, but, uh, you know, the, I have questions where he fits in the NFL, and I think some teams do more than fans do at this point. But uh, I don't think it's going to come to that. I think he is going to be off the board. Uh, I can't fathom anybody else. Maybe Derek Brown, maybe Javon Kinlaw, um, and I would prefer Kinlaw out of those two. But uh, I don't know. Defensive tackle, again, you're looking at a a position 
they're okay there. I mean, they signed Andrew Billings, albeit for just a year. They have Larry Ogunjobi for another year. Uh, if they like those guys, they can keep them. If you want, you know, if you're looking for a guy who's a run stuffer, that's not a top 10 pick. Uh, if you want an agitator like Kinlaw can be, and I think Kinlaw's going to be great, then you got to at least consider him. But offensive, if if you can't stop the TJ Watts of the world from getting to your quarterback, it's not going to matter what your defense can do because uh, you're going to be behind all the time. And I, I'm sorry, I want to correct myself. You were you were pretty confident Mackay Becton was going to be the first offensive tackle off the board. I apologize. You said Tristan Wirfs to Cleveland, but you felt pretty confident Mackay Becton was going to go to New York. I, I'm sorry, I me- messed that up. Um, yeah, or, or or somewhere else. He he also fits some other places too. I, I do think he's going to be the first tackle taken. Right. So I I do want to make sure before anybody empties their bank account, they empty it on Becton. <laughs> But uh, so I'm glad you brought up Javon Kinlaw. This is someone that Donovan James, we talked about a lot when he was on the show. Uh, obviously, it's probably fairly unlikely that the Browns are going to take him. But it, it, first of all, I, I kind of agree with you on Derek Brown. I like Derek Brown. I think that he opens up a lot of things for everyone else. Um, I do think that he spends an alarming amount of time on the ground. Does I mean, did, does anybody else see that when they watch this film that he's just he seems to be on the ground a lot? Oh, yeah. I, I do see that. Um, there, there are drawbacks to him. I think he can be very, very good. The, he gets compared to Indomitian and Sue a lot, and I don't see that. But I, I, do, I do see a very good player. Um, I'm trying to think of who I compared him to. And it was a good player, but it's like, do you really want that at your 10 spot? You know, can you get a guy who's, you know, 90% that, of that quality, you know, two rounds later? Yeah, you probably can. Defensive tackle, unless you're, you know, Aaron Donald or Ndamukong Sue, uh, you're not really getting the premium value for it. And I, I don't think that Derek Brown is that. He could prove me wrong. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't see that. There, there, are, there are some drawbacks to his game, for sure. And we talked about – with Donovan, we talked about Javon Kinlaw an awful lot. And Javon Kinlaw's background, a lot of people – um, I'm sure they're already aware that he was homeless for a huge portion of his life. And I guess at the senior bowl, he had multiple moments where there were just tears in his eyes because he was there. And it, it felt like, and I wasn't there, but uh, judging from Donovan and other people I've spoken to that he already had this massive amount of pressure on him. And I know that you've been covering the draft for what seems like forever. What kind of, uh, you've seen that before. What kind of, is that, should that be seen as a negative? Can someone that young handle that amount of pressure? Or is that something we can kind of, is that a positive because he's motivated? You know, that's a very good question. Uh, and I do think that it's generally viewed as a positive. He has a young daughter that he's trying to, you know, look out for. Um, I was there when he told the story. Um, I actually was videotaping it. Uh, and uh, the story that he told about, you know, having to search around for people, um, you know, they would go around late at night. Uh, he's from the, the Baltimore, D.C. area, and like they would they would get out and and try to find places that had hoses, uh, houses that had hoses on the outside, so they could fill up water buckets that they would have water. Uh, I, I, you think about that, and it's like, wow, how far has he come? And talk about you know how he got his, he was out of shape for a long time and got very heavy, and he talked about how finding nutrition and and finding, you know, so there's a lot of you know wild vacillation to his life, not a lot of stability. That is a little bit of a concern. Honestly, what ha- what happens when he does get this stability? Is he going to crave, you know, like, oh, my God, I, I, I missed the, the rush a little bit. You know you know what I mean? That that sounds it sounds kind of crazy, but, you know, we all know people that are like that. You know, they, yeah. they, they can't handle, like, like just normal. 
Um, do we? I don't think that that's the case with Ken Law, but you would have to at least consider that it's a worry. That's a really good question, Josh. Well, you know, Jeff, I do, I do try, I try to think outside the box here at the, the Browns <laughs> Wire podcast. But so let's go back to the Browns. Um, we, I think that, and it's, correct me if I'm wrong, I do think that they're going to make a play at wide receiver or maybe another tight end who can play, you know, like the H-back slot role. Um, they, there's not a lot behind Odo Beckham and Jarvis Landry. Although those guys are great, there's not really much behind them. Um, do you th- see the Browns making a move for a wide receiver or, or a tight end in the middle rounds? Um, you know, I look at guys like K.J. Hill from Ohio State or K.J. Hamler from Penn State being as kind of ideal options to fill that slot role. Uh, but what do you think? Hamler would be a lot of fun, man. He's so fast. He's, he's Deshaun Jackson. He doesn't catch the ball as well as Deshaun Jackson. He, he, uh, he pads his stats a little because he double catches a lot of balls, but uh, he's, he's really, really good. He's small, but he can fly, and he can also play outside. You know, when you have a guy like Jarvis Lander who's, who can play outside but is probably best, you know, playing in the slot or working in motion, uh, I, I tend to think that that's where he's at. His most effective is when he starts outside and motions in because it dictates the coverage um, for either him or Beckham. Yeah, if you get a guy who can you know, stretch the field like that, like, like they want Damian Ratley to be, like they wanted Antonio Callaway to be, that opens up a whole lot of things. So, uh, yeah, he, Hamler is certainly interesting. Hill had a really good senior bowl week, showed that he could reliably get open at, at all different levels of the defense. Uh, we, we know what he is from Ohio State. He's a good player. And and he's going to come much later. He's probably a fourth or fifth round guy. I think Hamler's probably a second round guy. You know, I I, I really hope that they address it. I want one um, with one of the third round picks or the second round pick. I, I do think that you have to get somebody in there who can who Baker can trust um, and, and develop into a viable third option. Now, this offense is going to use two tight ends more than we've seen from Cleveland in a very long time. Uh, and if you're a believer in David Njoku being the second tight end, you're probably not going to want that wide receiver that early. But man, you know, it would be nice to have some insurance. You know, Landry and Beckham both had surgery this offseason. As much as they are still fairly young men, they've been through a lot. Man, they played a lot of football. Uh, the, the the mileage is there, so it wouldn't necessarily be a bad long-term investment either to get a wide receiver on day two. I'm all for that. Yeah, I mean that's really interesting what what you kind of mentioned about Hamler there. I, I didn't watch every single Penn State game that that they played this year, but most most of what I saw, I seemed like he he was working out of the slot, working in the middle of the field. That really kind of fits his his like athletic profile, his his height, his speed, those types of things. But I mean, you make a really interesting point if you put him on the outside and you just make, let him run nine routes all day long. What that's going to do to a defense, though, is they're going to have to pay attention to him because of his speed. They're going to have to shift safety to over, and that's really going to open things up on the other side of the football field. Yeah, and, and so I'll, I'll relate it to another team that, I, that I've followed for a long time and covered for a while, the Houston Texans. Um, Will Fuller is not a good wide receiver, but he's really, really fast, and he's big, and he when he runs down the field on the outside, it, it peels away coverage because there's the threat there that he might actually catch the ball. Um, and he got better at it over time too, and wound up being worth their first first round pick. But he made DeAndre Hopkins so much better because defenses couldn't cheat at at Hopkins, uh, and and Hopkins has acknowledged that. Uh, I like that concept. Um, if you can do that with with Beckham and Landry, have that third guy that keeps it. So, who are you going to cover? Who's where's where's your top cornerback going to go on this play? 
where is the help going to go? You can really dictate to the defense there what kind of coverage scheme that they're getting and, and trust in Baker to find the, the best option. I think Baker's pretty good at that, honestly. And I would like to see – I would love to see that. If, if you can get a guy like that who alters the dynamic of the coverage, I think that's the most important thing for the Browns in getting another wide receiver. Now, you mentioned David Njoku, and I feel like everybody it's, – it's pretty common knowledge at this point that David Njoku's been on the trading block, off the trading block. He's had his issues. He drops every other ball. Now Austin Hooper's the most highly paid tight end in NFL history. And then they brought in – they had Adam Trotman from Dayton, the tight end, um, PFL alum, just like uh, yours truly, they had did an official phone visit with him. How likely is it that we see, uh, you know, a tight end like Trotman or, or one of the Bryants or um, even Cole Komet? You know, people have him with a first round grade. Perhaps he falls to the second or third. Um, how likely is it we grab one of those guys just in case this, the new front office doesn't want anything to do with Njoku by the time the season starts? You know, I think we'll learn a lot about how they feel about David Njoku and by how the, how well how high they draft a tight end. I do think they'll take one just because I, I, you know, as much as I, I, I do appreciate Faye O'Brien, I don't think he's the long-term solution. Maybe Stefan Carlson or Stephen Carlson. I don't even – is it Stefan or Stephen? I never figured that out. Uh, I, <laughs> he, I believe okay. it's Stephen. Okay. But I'm not 100% right. sure. Okay. I should know that. <laughs> Somebody, somebody find that out and correct me on that, please. <laughs> I, don't, I don't like being ignorant like that. Um, they, they could use somebody in the pipeline. Trauman's really good. Uh, he's, he's, he's my top tight end. I think he's going to be a very good player. He is coming from Dayton. Um, no disrespect to that level of play, but there's just going to be a bit of a jump there. I think he can handle it. He, he looked really good at the senior bowl, showed that he can handle his, his business there. So, you know, if they're taking a guy like that, or, or like you said, one of the Bryant guys, who I think are both, you know, third or fourth round guys, then I think there is, I, I think that tells us that David Njoku is probably not in the long-term plans. Now, if they don't take one, or if they take a guy in like the seventh round, uh, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, who would be a seventh round tight end. Uh, oh, geez. We talked, about, we talked about Jacob Breeland on, on Twitter. I thought that was an interesting take. I feel like he could be there probably oh, yeah. pretty, fairly late. Yeah, if he's healthy, he'd be really good, too. He, he's the kind of guy that if you would take him, like, if you can get him in the sixth or seventh round and, and you know, pray that he can stay healthy, uh, that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, a guy like that, you know, that, then you're not necessarily drafting a guy who's replacing Njoku, uh, but but has the potential to do it. And, and if he does, then it's great that he saves some money. I, you know, that's one of the big litmus tests that we're all going to find out in a couple of weeks is where are they at with Njoku and, and when they draft the tight end, we'll tell you a lot about that. You know, I do feel kind of uh, dissed by the, uh, the level of competition there. I, you're, t- I'm, I'm every inch of five, eight, two twenty, Okay. And I started four <laughs> games for Valpo university. Damn it. Oh. <laughs> I was, I was going to, I was going to say like, he, he's trying to like, he was trying to be nice to you saying no, you know, don't disrespect <laughs> the level of play. I was going to say, just let's fucking hammer Josh right now. This is our opportunity. <laughs> so I can't say anything because so, so you went to Valpo, right? Yeah. 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 I did. So uh, my, my son may or may not have some interest in playing basketball there. So I will not say anything bad about that school. Nice. Oh, that's it. That's entirely different than playing football there. I'll tell you that. I'm sure you, you've already realized that. But uh, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. It is funny, too. You were talking about the difference of play because I was watching some Trotman film. And he's a really good blocker. Like, everybody he blocks goes into the ground. But then I'm, like, looking, you know, I'm Googling, oh, hey, who did he block? Because I have no idea, right? And it's some guy that's my size. And I'm like, oh, man, that's not 
that is not really a fair compromise there. But but moving yeah, on. I mean, he, he played some he played some good people in, in Mobile and held his own. So uh, that 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 that's a feather in his cap. So so are are we moving on from Rashad Higgins then? Is he just you know out of the question? Who knows what's going on with him? That's a great question. I, I think he'd like to know. Uh, he's not on the roster now. I would not expect him on the roster again. <laughs> Until he's there, he's gone. <laughs> That's the way I'm dealing with it. We, Josh and I talked about this back in November. It's like, where the hell did he go? It's just for whatever reason, you know, he just did not. You know, I, I don't know what happened, but it, it felt like he should have been on the field. He wasn't on the field. He's, you know, we had, you know had guys I'd never even heard of getting snaps in front of him. At, at, you know, so I, I don't know. I, I don't. It, it felt like he had more talent than than he was getting playing time. Yeah, and it's weird that he's not on any other team either when the Browns have clearly made very little attempt to try and keep him, but he's not anywhere else either. It leads me to believe, is there something about him that, that we don't know that Cleveland doesn't know? You know, I, I don't know. That, that That's another one. I, I don't get it because last summer um, when I was at training camp, it seemed like he was, you know, going to be part of the, the play that everybody's talking about. Oh yeah, he's, he, we're fine. At, we're fine. at the three and four spot with Richard Higgins and Antonio Callaway. God, how long were we on that? <laughs> it's, it's just insane. It's, it's wild when you think about that kind of stuff, like the, just the amount of turnover that we see year in and year out. But I mean, I guess that's, that's, that's all part of it, but uh, I'll ask you just two more questions and then we'll let you go. I know that you got to put your, your daughter to bed. Um, but at, so after I win, I do. After I win $1,000 or $2,000 on your Mackay Becton bet, the next bet <laughs> is J.K. Dobbins, the over-under on where he's going to get picked is 52.5. Now, to me, that, that seems really low because, I mean, he's arguably the bet. He's probably the number two back, back behind DeAndre Swift. But I, I'll let you talk. I'll let you talk. You tell me what to do with my money, Jeff. <laughs> Uh, running back is really tough. I don't think there's going to be a first-round running back. So you're pushing all those guys, you know, Swift, Jonathan Taylor, Dobbins. Um, I'm probably forgetting somebody else there, too. All down into the 30s and 40s. Are there that many teams that are coveting running back? I mean, look at the free agent market this year. Melvin Gordon, you know, if you would have told me a year ago that he was, you know, going to sign for peanuts, uh, and, and that not many teams wanted him. Look at what happened with uh, uh, with uh, Gurley from the Rams. That's a three million dollars. That's all he could get. The <laughs> the demand for running backs it's it's just not there. What what a um, wait, what is Dobbin? Well, before you go on, no, go what ahead. a bad deci- what a bad business decision Melvin Gordon make made right? Yes, <laughs> worked out well for Austin Eckler anyway. So that uh, yeah, um, but. The, the, the larger point is, are you going to really spend a second-round pick on a running back like J.K. Dobbins when you can get in the third round or fourth round a guy who's going to give you roughly the same? Um, is, is Are any of these guys going to be the feature number one starting running backs for any team this year? Maybe, but probably not. It's probably a shared deal. You're really going to spend a, a second-round pick on a guy who's going to get you, I don't know, 100 to 120 touches? That, that, I'm not sure there's a lot of teams see it that way, honestly. So I, I'm leaning towards the, the over on that, which would mean that he would be picked after 52. 
but that 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 range is starting going to be starting like oh my god all these running backs are out there we probably need to get one I think teams are going to be at that point um, Cleveland isn't one of them uh, I don't think that Detroit were, were you know the other team that I covered they're not in the market for a second round running back so I, I don't know I, I just don't see a lot of demand for it. Um, it it's tough to see that now having said that we'll watch DeAndre Swift go like 19th overall just picking that number off <laughs> <laughs> uh, because weird stuff like that happens all the time yeah uh, but I, I really don't might... think that there's a lot of running backs going early yeah Miami might be a suitor for one of those running backs whether it's with their you know I think they've got 18 and 26 or 25 or something like that um, yeah. maybe if there's and, going to and be Rice, one going to Patrick was their leading rusher last year. They can't have that again. <laughs> right. But yeah, it was a, you're right. It, it was, it's a weird, it was kind of a weird off season for running backs and just like it was for quarterbacks as well. It's, you know, we're, we're, we're looking right now, maybe it's because of what's going on um, with this COVID-19, but you're looking at Cam Newton, Andy Dalton, both without really long, you know, with, without jobs this year so far. So it, it's been a really weird off season for those two positions in particular. Yeah, it, it is, you know, and, and just look, looking at the running backs, uh, one of the lessons that, and, and I, I preach this uh, in the radio spots that I do here in Grand Rapids, um, Saquon Barkley, phenomenal player. The Giants winning with them. They've gotten worse. They haven't gotten better. <laughs> they're not getting the return on it. Zeke Elliott, phenomenal running back. For my money, the best running back in the NFL. How has that helped win games? Um, they've kind of come and gone. Dak Prescott has come and gone. Uh, the, the impact that the running back makes on the game, unless you have a, a freak like Derrick Henry was last year, um, and, and he care, and, and he, he's, he's what you want. Because he he's a bit of a unicorn in that he's he's that big that fast and can handle it. Um, defenses in general have gotten smaller. When you have a giant guy like that, when he gets to that second level, he he's a deal breaker. That guy really is in this draft so much because they don't have anyone who is big and fast like that. You know, we'll look at Nick Chubb in Cleveland. Phenomenal running back. I love him. He's great. Uh, arguably the second best. He was the second best, second leading rusher in the league last year. Certainly a top five running back. Browns haven't made the playoffs with him yet. 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 <laughs> it's coming. But they're not yeah. there yet. Gosh, that's that's depressing. But <laughs> I'll, I'll we I promise I get I get you out of here by nine forty five. I'm gonna keep you I'm gonna keep to that. But I do wanna right, ask you one more thing. One more thing. You mentioned that Jack Conklin's father cussed you out on radio. Please, yes, please tell me how that how that happened. A and B, has anybody else cussed you out on the radio that is someone is related to another athlete that you uh, disparaged? Um, I, <laughs> I got into a friendly argument with Jabril Pepper's mother. Um, <laughs> All right. <laughs> what? Why did you just say something bad about him on the radio? No, my, uh, one of the people that I co-host with uh, on the Big Drew and Jim show in, in Grand Rapids on 96.1 ESPN Radio. Uh, it's also on WDFN in Detroit if you're in either of those areas. Uh, one of the hosts, Jim, to be specific, was very disparaging towards Jabril Peppers. And uh, I happened to be in the studio that day and she called in uh, and said, well, you don't know what you're talking about. You, you don't. You, when was the last time you played football? Got that, that whole line going. Um, and believe <laughs> it or not, amazing. that call actually. 
that call actually earned a Michigan Association Broadcast Association, like their version of like an Emmy. Um, so, <laughs> so Jabril Pepper, and it was awarded to Jabril Pepper's mom, um, <laughs> which oh is gosh. just great. No, That's so Conklin. Amazing. Conklin is from West Michigan here. Um, he, he's from Pawpaw, Michigan, which is, you know, kind of between Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo. Um, really, you know, great success story. Walked on at Michigan State, made himself into a great prospect. But I didn't necessarily like him. Um, and specifically, I didn't like him as a left tackle. Uh, and I was not shy about saying that. I'm like, this guy cannot play left tackle in the NFL, period. I was very emphatic about it. And one of the things that I, I, I actually did a clip. Remember when Vine was the thing? He oh, got, yeah, he got like, like he, he got so off balance and they were playing Western Michigan. I was at this game. I wound up recording it later off the Vine off of it, but I had like a perfect music cue um, of, of like a, this like sad guitar where he is like stepping back and he just falls on his ass because he can't reach the guy. He's so out of balance. Um, and so, uh, his dad called in and, and told me to, uh, you know, show something where the sun don't shine, um, without FCC uh, approval. (laughs) Like, Oh, okay. (laughs) That's amazing. Not on their Christmas card list anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we, we appreciate it's 945. So we'll let you go. We appreciate you coming on Jeff. Uh, that was Jeff Risden, our editor at Browns wire. Uh, editor at Lions Wire and also contributor at uh, G- GM. Real GM. Real GM. Yeah, I, I read your uh, draft this don't uh, draft this not that article. I thought that was great, but we we do appreciate you coming on. Thank you a lot. Thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate it. Keep up the good work. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah. All right, that was the Browns Wire podcast. We appreciate you listening. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Josh Keatley 16 Make sure you subscribe, you rate us, and make sure you tune in next week because next week we have a superstar coming on, Adam. We have a Division Three All-American, East-West Shrine game receiver. Uh, he's going to get drafted, Mason Kinsey out of Barry College. So we're pretty excited about that. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Yeah, tune in. You can follow me on Twitter, more2102, M-O-O-R-E, 2102. Josh and I have also created a Facebook page, the Browns Wire Podcast. Check it out. Come on, uh, get it, get it, subscribe there. Talk with us. Um, you know, we'll post uh, a bunch of different things there. So we look forward to hearing from you.